couldn't sleep at all that night. Welcome all you sunrisers and moonrisers to Sleepless in Studio City, a safe place for discussing what's keeping your mind, body, and spirit from sweet, sound slumber. Your host, Dr. Debs, a celebrated columnist, lauded love, romance, relationship, and dating coach, offers simple, soothing solutions and heartfelt help. Dr. Debs will discuss topics such as finding and keeping the love you deserve, dating, marriage, parenting, setting boundaries, breaking the cycle, breaking up, following your dreams. We respect your privacy and will not reveal names or contact info. If you'd like your questions answered during a show but are hesitant to call in, please feel free to write Dr. Debs at sleeplessinstudiocity at gmail.com and she will address your concerns on the next broadcast. You can also find updates and weekly affirmations on Facebook slash Sleepless in Studio City. And now, without further ado... Here's Dr. Debs. Thank you, Zach, for that energizing introduction. Always a pleasure and honor to be here with all you night owls for another exciting episode of Sleepless in Studio City. Stay tuned for our magical musical interlude. I'll be presenting the incredible jazz singer Sandy White, all the way from Australia. (laughs) She'll be talking about the meaning of music in her life, offering advice for aspiring artists, And much, much more. So stay tuned. You won't want to miss it. I couldn't think of anything unique and extraordinary for my first spiel of the new year and the new decade. (laughs) It seems to be such a crucial, delicate time. We have to tread really softly and not go backwards in our physical, mental, emotional journey of mindfulness, awareness, and transformation. This is a critical moment, not only in history and her story, but in the Earth as a phenomenal influence on the entire solar system. Are we a small cog in the universe, or are we the only universe? Are you a small cog in your own circle, or are you the one and only That's the existential dilemma. What is our purpose on the planet? Where can we make a difference? Where do we matter? Isn't that the same question we're born with and we die with? The identical quandary we're faced with on a daily basis? Even more so in this unknown, never-before-visited territory. Isn't that why we're all stressed to the max, ready to explode with anxiety because we're entering a realm that never existed in our world? or in any world before. You can't look it up in the encyclopedia. Sure, you can Google how to survive a pandemic, but who really knows? And besides, what's good for the goose might not be good for the gander. How do you focus on and resolve to be the best version of yourself, to rise to the occasion, not go backwards? Where do you find the answer, the solution? There's no rule book, just like there was no rule book for pregnancy, childbirth, child rearing. 
I was raised by Dr. Spock. <laughs> In my day, it was how to parent ourselves while parenting our children. There was an incendiary pile of information, and each generation has their own guidelines. All I know is every time I tried to follow a rule book, I faltered, I failed because I wasn't being true to myself. How many times have you followed the advice of others or taken a vote by committee to determine what direction to follow in your life? First, we're influenced by our parents, siblings, relatives, then by our peers, teachers, then by our bosses, co-workers, then by society, our neighborhood, our community. I'm overwhelmed right now just listing all those outside sources. We go to seeking what we should or shouldn't do. That word again, don't should on yourself. <laughs> What is right? What is fair? What is ethical and moral? We go to our pastors, our rabbis, our gurus, our therapists, our doctors, lawyers, Indian chiefs. No wonder everyone's confused, famished, clouded. We can't see the forest through the trees. The trees that are consuming our nourishment with roots that go so deep we can't ever pull them up to make space for our exceptionality, our powerful presence. We follow the crowd. We follow the other sheep, the Pied Piper, never to the beat of a different drummer. I was always chastised for following the beat of a different drum, always avant-garde, paving the way. My family members made fun of me when I read the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy in a couple of weeks. And then 30 years later, all three of those books won awards and a fortune for being the most successful films ever. <laughs> I was made fun of when I ate organic food and talked about veganism, meditation, communal living, the family bed, getting back to the land. 30 years later, when everyone was following suit, I had already moved on. How to continue to thine own self be true, especially when we want to please others. The saddest thing is when we don't pursue our passion because we're told we're not good enough, smart enough, funny enough, talented enough. I'm guilty of listening to my family and not following my dream, the dream that Martin Luther King talked about on his birthday. It's so important we remember the nonviolence. And it's not just nonviolence in our physical actions. It's nonviolence in our verbal and spiritual and emotional actions. Have you been violent with your words today? Have you used words as weapons? Or have you used words to nurture and nourish yourself and others? How do you talk to yourself? Do you put yourself down violently? That's violence. Do you put other people down violently, even if it's to yourself, even if it's gossiping, even if it's talking about them behind their back? That's violence. Those words go into the universe. That creates violence, negativity. That's what Martin Luther King is talking about. Nonviolence. That's the dream. That's my dream that people will talk to each other with love, kindness, compassion, tolerance, acceptance. Ha! I didn't follow my dream. I couldn't follow that dream. In my family, that was nothing to aspire to. Verbal vomiting <laughs> occurred on a daily basis. And it's something I'll never be able to get back to, to have that dream when I was a child. But thankfully, I got to break the cycle 
and encourage my daughter to have a dream, to pursue her passion, even if it was something she wouldn't make a fortune in, even if it wouldn't make her dowry grow or make her enticing to a gentleman or attractive as marriage material. None of that matters. I gave up dream after dream to conform to society so others wouldn't deride me. I was sick and scared of being singled out in school, growing up as the new kid, the different one, the one who didn't dress the same, talk the same, look the same as the rest of my schoolmates. <laughs> they used to tell me in junior high, you're not speaking correctly. It's pajamas, not pajamas. They would laugh and make fun of me because I came from the Midwest and was in New York in the speech class. The teacher tried to change the way I talked and I was like, what makes your talking the right way? Where I come from, everybody says pajamas, not pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> I never fit in with those who had established themselves as the in crowd, or any crowd for that matter, because I move from town to town so often. It took all my energy and effort just to be able to face the other kids without them pointing their finger at me for having the wrong accent, the wrong clothes, the wrong hairstyle, the wrong religion, the wrong sex. Oy vey, there was a multitude of discrimination that went on that had nothing to do with race. No wonder I identify so closely with racial bias and bigotry. I feel like there was bias against me for being the new kid, for being female. Oh, and don't get me going on having brains as a woman. I couldn't be smart in school. I always had to pretend I didn't know the answers because I would get everything right, always 100%. That was looked down upon in my day. Women were to get ready for marriage, not to be a doctor or a lawyer. I had to stop raising my hand in class. <laughs> Put your hand down. Let someone else answer, but nobody ever did. In fact, they wanted to send me to college when I was 10, which is when I was the smartest. <laughs> However, my mom didn't want to stunt my social growth, so she declined offers to excel. From then on, it's been downhill. Just another notch on my belt I couldn't hook up that I had to pass on. One right after the other, from being smart intellectually to being talented in the arts. Another thing I was told to be quiet about. You're making too much noise on the piano. <laughs> Don't bother us. The list goes on ad infinitum. Now I'm living my dreams for the first time. Thank you, Martin Luther King, again. I had a dream, and today I can say I have a dream. Having this wonderful radio show is one of my dreams. <laughs> and my vocalists and musicians showcase and benefit for the Innocence Project. Another dream come true. They say you're most creative between the ages of 65 and 85. So all you folks out there, no more excuses. Now is the time. COVID or no COVID, pick up where you left off. It's a new beginning, a new era, the dawning of the age of Aquarius in more ways than one. This is the dawning of the age of Aquarius, age of Aquarius. <laughs> what will you do with this fresh start? How will you emerge after COVID? Will you remember what matters, or will you quickly forget and fall right back in the patterns of unconscious busyness, forgetting to smell the roses? That would be the biggest travesty of all. 
How will we remember? What will keep us from forgetting? We forgot the Holocaust. We forgot 9-11. We forgot the earthquake. We forgot the AIDS epidemic. We always seem to quickly forget what brought us together in the first place. I don't want to forget this ever. I don't want to forget the joy of spending quality time with my daughter with my friends, with myself, and still never leaving the house, never being in their presence closer than six feet apart for short periods of time. Lesson learned once again. It's not the quantity of time. It's not the quantity of friends, but the quality that counts. I don't want to forget how I'm capable of giving and receiving love simply with words. I've had the blessing of being able to sprinkle fairy dust on my friends and family with my words. I've gotten to hug with words. I don't want to forget how I can hug with words, how I can wrap myself around my loved ones without any physical touch. Have you hugged your child lately with amorous words of encouragement, support, positivity, compassion, empathy? How will I recall I can tell people on a daily basis how much they matter to me, how I couldn't have survived the pandemic without them? I don't have to wait for Christmas or their birthdays or that one time a year. Think about it right now. Make a list. Who has helped you get through this terrifying time? Who was there for you when you thought you couldn't get past one more day, one more minute, one more second being alone in isolation, in quarantine? Who would you call? Who you gonna call, Ghostbusters? (laughs) Make the list stat. Keep it nearby because we all forget. We all have selective amnesia. When the time comes, we will have no recollection of the blessings we got from communing on Zoom from afar. Everything we complained about for the past year will turn out to be the winning lottery ticket, the Holy Grail. We will soon miss the silver linings, allowing them to instantly fade with the drop of a hat. Like the magic, it quickly appears, the magic quickly disappears. What can we do to ensure that the cat stays in the hat, that the white dove doesn't fly away? That blissful, glorious feeling that we're all in this together. We are together. We are one person. We are one in the same. How will we not forget the momentous smiling behind the masks? Even though we couldn't see the faces, we could see the eyes. We knew there was warmth. Ooh, that warmth that we could feel from each other. Well, we don't have to don that fake mask anymore, the one that keeps us stoic and makes us pretend we have it all together, the one that prevents vulnerability. We can wear a sensitivity mask. The only mask that we need is to cover our mouths to prevent that verbal abuse. (laughs) It's that verbal spewing and spouting out that separates us from the rest of the living, breathing animal and plant kingdoms. That's what gets us into trouble, unlike animals are speaking. (laughs) Time and time again. Isn't that what causes the fighting, the violence? Because someone said or didn't say something we expected them to? 
aren't we hurt because we say I love you and don't hear it back in the way we need it? Isn't that what's causing the violence today? People aren't hearing something that they want to hear, so they go out, scream, and have a big temper tantrum. That's why words are so powerful. They cause war. They cause and are causing the extermination of civilization as we know it. We can heal the planet with our words. How many children are damaged because their family members couldn't express words of affection? How many divorces occur because spouses didn't know how to give words of love in the language their partner coveted? How many never ask their person, what can I do to make your life better? It's so simple. Maybe not easy, but simple. Write those words down. They are pure pearls. What can I do to make your life better? What can I do to make your world better? What can I do to make the world a better place? How can I make a difference in your life? How can I make a difference in the world? (laughs) I think those words ought to be mandatory before you give birth. You must reprogram your brain chemistry with these words, with this kind of language, a non-negotiable prerequisite, like the driving test that you have to pass. There ought to be a parenting vocabulary test, a spousal vocabulary test. (laughs) Words can kill. They are more deadly than a gunshot wound. A gunshot wound can heal. Words that are slung to murder by mouth never heal. They go to unfathomable depths the multitudes won't be able to access in a lifetime. Sure, we're hearing a lot about people dying from gunshot wounds. What about all the death from words? The death of our spirits, the death of our passion, the death of our soul from words that are being shot from our mouths daily. That's the only good thing about a mask. <laughs> you don't have to hear those deadly words. <laughs> you can close your ears. You can close your eyes. You can turn off your hearts, but you can't ignore the pain and suffering caused by words used to maim, belittle, degrade, diminish, put down, smash, deride. <laughs> you get that drill? Sorry for being repetitive about words, but I'll be shouting from the rooftops until the mass is here, until it's against the law to utter words that are hurtful, that are equally devastating as much as a knife in the back or in the front. What will it take to remember the precious words that have kept us alive during COVID. I have heard words that I haven't heard from people I've known for eons that have actually said in words how important I am to them, how much I matter, how I've helped them get by just by talking to them, by listening, by telling them how much they matter. When's the last time you used words to lift someone else up? Ha! What will it take to remember, to never forget again? Ask yourself that question tonight. 
and let me know what comes up. I'd like to compile a guidebook for those who want to stay conscious and rise to the occasion and never forget. We can do this together. We're all one in the same. There's only outer differences, but inside we're exactly one human being. That's the COVID lesson that what's behind the mask everyone's wearing now or continues to wear in the future is that existential metaphysical solution. That's the mask to continue to wear, the one that says we're all in this together. Thank you, Martin Luther King, for paving the way and helping us to remember. Let's remember more than one day a year. Let's remember every day. <laughs> in the words of wisdom from my favorite hero, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I would like to be remembered as someone who used whatever talent she had to do her work to the very best of her ability. Consider those words of wisdom. How would you like to be remembered? Then be that person today, tonight, and every day and night. I rest my case. Now it's time for our caller. Hello there. Welcome to Sleepless in Studio City. I'm Dr. Debs, and who am I speaking with? Hi, Deb. My name is Dana. How are you? Hi, Dana. And where are you calling from? I'm calling from Berkeley, California. Oh, I love Berkeley. (laughs) I used to march there against the war. (laughs) Welcome to the show. What's on your mind tonight? What's keeping you from sweet, soft slumber? Well, I'm not the greatest sleeper, but I'm I'm not great at, I've been presented, uh, how do I say it? I'm not good at letting go and probably more so moving on. Mm. I stay I stay too long at the fair. Mm. I was in a relationship for a year and a half, and I, I don't I haven't told too many people about this because it's kind of embarrassing in a way. I shouldn't be embarrassed by it, but because I would never have known what happened would have happened. Um, I was in a relationship for a year and a half with someone I thought I'd known. I had known him for over 25 years. Mm. And he had been married and then was divorced for almost five when I met him. And we started dating, and we were both head over heels for each other. We were together every day, but we it was a long-distance relationship for a while. And then I eventually moved. Because I'm from, I'm from L.A., so I moved up to the Bay Area to be with him. And that only lasted about two months because while we were on vacation, I found out that, and we were committed. We were, you know, we'd moved in together. I found out that he was not only seeing another person, but he was seeing five other people <gasps> at the same time. Oh. And sometimes would see two or three of them in the same day and then come home and be with me. And later I found out that he was doing this the whole time that we were seeing each other for a year and a half. And I was crushed. And that was 
not quite a year ago that it ended, and I'm still not over it, oh. even though I know I should be. Well, I first want to thank you so much for being so candid and honest. You said at the beginning that you haven't talked about this. And right now, I kind of have chills from head to toe because I feel you just took your first step in letting go and moving on. But I still think about him and I think about, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not 25, you know, I'm, I'm older. I'm 52 years old and I thought this was it. Right. You know, like, like that story where, oh, I, I went back to my hometown and I saw someone that I haven't seen in years and all of a sudden we started dating and then it's been a year and now we move in together and then I, my whole world just collapsed. Mm. I gave up my, my career down the, down where you are and moved up north and and he's still like a mile and a half away from me and he's thriving in his life even through mm. COVID he's thriving and I've lost all my work and I've had to recreate myself mm. and I'm not really interested in I'd like to meet someone but I don't even know if I can ever trust anybody again mm. My heart goes out to you. I feel your pain. I also feel excited because you called in tonight. And as I said before, you're on your first step. I didn't say you have let go or you have moved on because that takes a lot of steps. And it takes a lot of mini steps. And this is a big step on the way. It's not easy. As you said, it's been, what, a year already? And you It'll thought... be a year in February. Okay. I found out, I found out um, on the day after Valentine's Day. Okay. A year ago is when you found out. You used the words should. I should be over this. I should let go. I should move on. I say don't should on yourself, first of all. There is no time limit on grieving. You are grieving not only the loss of this man, but it's the loss of the idea. I wrote down your words. I thought this was it. I thought this was it. I wanted to say myself, okay, it, what is it? That's an idea that we're supposed to be as women, that we're supposed to find the man, and then that will be bliss. That's something else we have to let go of and move on from that. And that's huge because that's something we've been told for our lifetime. You said you're a certain age, of course, all these years, from the moment we're born, from the moment we come out of the womb as a female, we are told in words, in actions, by our family, our friends, society, we're nothing without a man that when we find the man, we will find happiness. As you said, you gave up your career for him. You lost all your work. Well, I would say you not only gave up and lost all your work, but I would say you also lost you. And that's well, I what... Gave up, I gave up what I, my home and what I had there. I didn't, I didn't really give up my career. I was still actually my career because of COVID ended. And at this point... And 
but I gave up a lot of my steady work. I should say that, not gave up my career. I gave right. up my steady work. Okay, but I did hear that your whole world collapsed. I would say that that goes a lot deeper than the fact that this guy was a cad and a sex and love addict. You're he doesn't think he did anything wrong. Well, there's no like, right... I treated you so great. You, I, you know, I saw you every day, but he would see me every day, but then he would go be with these other women during the day. Of course. That goes along with being a sex and love addict, that he would be in denial. I'm not surprised. You're not going to change who he is. I see this as a total blessing. This is going to turn out to be the silver lining and the holy grail you've been looking for your whole life. I would say you're not looking for the man. I'd say that you've been looking for what is going to heal your heart and what's going to make you feel whole. Not that your whole world is collapsing. This could be the very thing that is going to make you whole, that is going to fill the hole. Because we can't fill the hole with a guy. We can't fill the hole with money. We can't fill the hole with fame or glory or anything else or shopping or food or whatever it is that we're trying to fill the hole with. You said your whole world collapsed, and I say your whole world is about to come together. Because this is a chance for you. This is an opportunity, the golden ticket for you to make yourself whole without a man. That's when you're going to attract a healthy person. You attracted a person that is not whole, that needs to be fixed. As a matter of fact, he needs to be fixed so much that five other people don't fix it. That's pretty sad. I've had, I've been in relationships where people had affairs on me, but this was like mind bending. Like, really? I mean, it's 60 year old person and you know, when are you going to, my question to him was, how did, how do you do this? And he said, I'm a really good planner. Let's take that finger that you're pointing at him and look at the three that are back at you. Because you called me tonight and it sounds like you want to become whole. You want to change and grow or you wouldn't be calling. You wouldn't be conscious about this. I work really hard on, on my life. And I've had a lot of loss, and I'm I'm tired, but I also, I know there's a lot more to happen in my life. I just don't know how and where and now with what we're all going through, what's going to happen in my life. I really don't. Oh, well, I'm applauding you right now. I'm cheering you on, and I've got chills again, because that's just words of pure joy to hear that you're sick and tired, that you're sick of this, you want to move on, you want to let go. You want to allow all that goodness in, and you deserve to have that, and you can have that. You said you don't know how to do that, but you do know. It's all inside of you. And we're going to talk about that when we come back because we're going to take a brief station break. We'll be right back and we're going to talk about the things that you can do. You've already started on this journey. You made this call. You've revealed these things that you said you haven't talked about before. Just talking about them and putting them out into the universe, you're on your way. So hold on to that thought and we'll be right back. 
the moment you've been waiting for, our magical musical interlude featuring the amazing jazz vocalist, Sandy White, all the way from Australia. Welcome to the show, Sandy. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you. It's a pleasure and honor. And I wanted to start out hearing a little bit about your history or your her story, as I call it, how you became involved with music and found a passion in jazz. Oh, um, how many days have you got? <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll I take mean, the uh, short version. Basically, it started when I was a kid, when I was very little, you know. Um, my mother was uh, an opera singer, but she also sang jazz and, um, a, you know, basically Great American Songbook. And um, I think one of the first songs I ever learned was that old Black Magic, and I was four or five years old. Oh. And uh, people used to pay me money to sing it, you know. Uh, <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> The thing, the thing is that uh, I went, you know, through school in both in England and in Australia, and then um, when I was nearly finishing school, uh, somebody gave me an Ella Fitzgerald record, I, um, and I think that was my turning point because I was supposed to be, a, I was supposed to become a, an opera singer, really, in my mother's eyes. But she encouraged me to sing um, jazz and whatever, and here I am today, oh. some 60-odd years later, um, <laughs> still, still doing it, you know. <laughs> well, speaking of elephants... So speaking of Ella Fitzgerald, who are some of your inspirations? Uh, well, I have to say that probably my greatest inspiration is... Um, Carmen McRae, uh, because she kind of taught me about birth control and phrasing and diction and intonation. What more can I say? You know, apart from um, apart from swing, you know. So uh, and then um, and of course. People like Sarah Vaughan and uh, and Peggy Lee and Mel Torme and later on Mark Murphy and um, I don't know I could kind of go on and on and on but um, I guess you know you can say that Carmen McRae was my most influential person really. Well, speaking of breath control and everything else that you mentioned, did you have any formal training? No, I had no training at all, wow. and I'm not sure why. But I'm I'm basically a very lazy person, you know, and uh, I I didn't like school as such. Um, I mean, I went to school and 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 I did all my what I, one was supposed to do at school, but I didn't really like school. And the thought of actually going to learn something after I had left school. Um, didn't appeal to me a bit. So, and as I, and as I, after I got my very first job here in Australia, for some reason or other, I was extremely lucky. I just kept getting jobs because people decided that I could sing. And it never occurred to me that I should do something like 
train my voice. Um, uh, perhaps I should have, you know. It has its faults, but um, I sing my own way, and that's, that's how it is, I guess. I love it. Well, what is the meaning of music in your life? Oh, gosh. That's, I mean, it's absolutely everything. And, you know, I mean, I can't really do anything without music. You know, music is totally my life. And and, um, some 32 or 3 years ago, my husband and I moved a a little way from Sydney and built a house in a sort of semi-rural area. And it became quite difficult, you know, traveling backwards and forwards, sort of, you know, late at night and all that sort of thing. And finally, I decided to do concerts in my house because the main room is pretty big, and it and we it kind of started as a joke, you know. And last year, 2020, and no thanks to COVID, um, would have been my 20th, 25th year, and I still did. Um, I still did some um, concerts, and we live streamed them, and uh, you know, so all this technology which I know nothing about um, but got help with and they were great fun. I just live streamed them to my regular audience uh, who come here all the time. And um, so even with COVID, uh, I still got to sing a little bit but it isn't the same as if you're doing it a lot, you know. But I cannot, I cannot give up singing and don't intend to until someone says to me, I think you should stop now, Sandy, because I'm not exactly young. (laughs) Well, I'm so jazzed that we're going to get to hear you at my vocalist showcase and benefit for the Innocence Project on the 27th. That that is absolutely fantastic. I'm I'm really honored to be answered. I have seen some of the wonderful people that you have had on in the past, um, you know, some of whom I know, and um, the last one I listened to the, or watched the whole the whole show, and um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just, just so different. Everyone was different and so interesting. You know, it's really it was really great. Oh well, I'm excited to have you, and it will be definitely a night to remember. And even though it's on Zoom. It's archived, and it's um, on YouTube, so you can listen to them on the Sleepless in Studio City YouTube channel. And that's something oh, to wow. look forward yeah, that's, to. That's really good. What's your favorite part of performing live? I guess really, you know, it's just to be able to communicate with, um, with people. Uh, often, you know, you, you look at an audience, and you're not sure because some of them have their eyes closed and you're not sure whether they're bored to tears or lost in the moment, if you get my drift. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so that, that for me, not just singing, but to be able to entertain a little bit. Um, I, you know, I like to have a fall guy in the audience, for example. And it makes people laugh. You know, you can... You can say things and make up little jokes and whatever. I don't know. I'm, uh, it's kind of, uh, kind of like jazz cabaret, if you like, you know. Ooh. But <laughs> closer to jazz than, 
than cabaret. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Do you have any advice for aspiring artists? I, I think basically these days, young people have so much, you know, so many ways of, of being able to learn stuff. And, but uh, it isn't just about technical learning. You learn when you're on a little stage, whether it be, a, you know, in a tiny little club or on a big stage or whatever. You learn all the time when you're performing, actually performing. And I have spent a lot of time in my life just going to jazz clubs and sitting in. And sitting in with various musicians makes you, I think, it makes you work hard. You know, you have to be... You have to be with it when you get up. You have to know your key, you have to know your song, and you have to pray that the guys know it too because just sitting in, you don't take music, you know, you just call a, call a tune, you know. Right. So uh, uh, for me, I, I just always say to young people, yes, go to the con conservatorium or wherever you go to learn or go to a teacher, not too early not at 10 years of age, not at 12 years of age, not even at 17. You know, the voice hasn't, the voice is not with it yet, but um, a bit later in life. And also to listen to the singers that came before because they, A, had brilliant songs to sing from the likes of Rogers and Hart, Cole Porter and Irving Berlin and Johnny Mercer and da-da-da, you know, whatever. And they can, they, they can just learn so much from listening because this is how I learned because I had no choice in, in a way. Wonderful words of wisdom. Thank you, Sandy. Since this is a show about love, I was wondering what you believe is the key to finding and keeping love in your life. Oh, my goodness me. I think it's simply that, uh, a part, you know, initially, obviously, when you see someone and you fall in love with them, it could be for many reasons. I mean, for example, with my own uh, husband, when I saw him, I fell in love with his feet before I fell in love with anything else. <laughs> but, <I love laughs> but it's true, it's true. And um, the thing is, uh, I think that um, basically the most important thing is friendship. If you can't be friends, it, you know, because it's a long time. You know, it could be, it could be forty years, fifty years, sixty years. For us, it's forty years. Um, uh, this last year, twenty twenty, and we're friends. And also, of course, the other important thing is a sense of humor. Oh my goodness me! <laughs> if you don't have, a, you know, if you don't have a sense of humor, um, and I don't know. I just well. I was I was lucky second time around. Let's put it that way. Oh. And um, I I suppose basically love is love, and friendship is friendship, and humor is humor, and all those things go together. Oh, That's beautiful. what I think, anyway. Ah, uh, how beautiful! I couldn't have said it better myself. 
You spoke those words so eloquently, and I agree <laughs> with each and every one of them. How lucky you are to have found your soulmate <laughs> who could ask for anything more. In the words of George Gershwin. I, I'm, I mean, I love singing songs about love, so it's, it's very easy um, you know, to, to talk about it as well. And yes, you pour so much depth and emotion into your singing, the sign of the true storyteller that you are, straight from the heart. <laughs> mm, well, good. <laughs> I've, I've had 40 years' experience. Well, it shows. <laughs> what song are we going to hear tonight? <laughs> yeah, I told you so, because this was written by the most wonderful, wonderful um, in, a Scottish tenor, tenor player by the name of Duncan Lamont. Sadly, he, uh, he passed away in 2019, um, but I had known him since about 1959, on and off, more off than on, because, you know, I just wasn't there and whatever, but... I got, when I discovered this song, I recorded it, and I got to, I found out where he was, and I sent him the CD, and he was um, apparently pretty pleased with it. And then I got to go to England um, a little while later, after I'd recorded it, which was a few years ago, and I had a gig, and I said to him, oh, if you're doing nothing, you know, why don't you bring your axe and come and sit in for a little while? And so he did. He didn't just sit in for a little while. He sat in for the whole concert, which was absolutely <laughs> wonderful. Um, he was very special, and he has written wonderful, wonderful songs, some of which Cleo Lane has recorded and a number of other people. So this song is like... I, I don't know. It's, he wrote both the lyrics and, and, and the music. Oh. And I really hope that you enjoy it. Oh, who are the musicians on the track? Oh, yes. Um, one of the most uh, <clears throat> wonderful bass players that I work here with, with um, very, very often, his name is Craig Scott, plays great bass. And my piano player then, who's, who was actually um, an American from New York, uh, who came to live in Australia for quite a long time, sadly passed away in, in fact, just about two days ago in 2007 was the anniversary of his death. So oh. um, he and I were like musical soulmates, and it, it was just like two brains became one when we worked together. I don't know. It was oh. an extraordinary it was an extraordinary thing. Wow. So there you oh, go. So sweet. His name is Vince Genova. Oh. Well, in honor of Vince, we're going yes. to hear this wonderful tune. Is there anything else you'd like to leave your friends, family, and fans with before we say adieu? I just can't wait to see you all. <laughs> um, I guess I'm going to be able to see you all on Zoom uh, on, on, well, the 27th of, of January, uh, the West Coast time, but here in Australia, it's um, the afternoon of Thursday, the uh, 28th of 
January. Oh, Sorry, right. not 20. Yes, 28. That's right. That's right. So, um, <laughs> it's so complicated. I don't. I, I can't talk about it. It's like really hard to get my head around sometimes, but there you go. Well, that's one of the blessings of COVID is that we not only have the honor of talking to you, but seeing you on Zoom all the way from Australia, and that's something we would never have been able to do before. So it's one of the silver linings of COVID. Yeah, sometimes we have to almost say thank you, but I cannot say thank you because I think about all the sadness in your country at the moment and um, and and the terrible time with COVID you're having here, there. We, we, we are very lucky here. We do not have anywhere near the problems that the rest of the world has. Oh, so, a lot of friends of mine are saying, we want to go to Australia. That's the only safe place to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it is kind of at the moment, but it, it does... It does depend, and it doesn't discriminate. You know, this is the problem. Right. What's the best part about living in Australia for you? Oh, it's uh, really easy going. You know, it is very easy going place to live. Very casual. The weather is normally quite nice. It's pretty hot today. It's ninety degrees here at the moment. Yeah, it's uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful place to live. Aww. And we live on an acre of land and have a big house. It's a very special place. Oh, it sounds special. And you are a special singer, and I'm so jazzed to hear you. And without further ado, we're going to hear Sandy White singing, I Told You So. Take it away, Sandy. <laughs> Bravo. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Deborah. <laughs> My pleasure and honor. Bye-bye now. Cheerio. Yeah, bye, darling. Bye. <laughs> bye-bye. Saying on the grapevine that he's heading north, you're going south. I hate to say it, but I told you so before the curtain fell. I told you so I've known for a long time It couldn't last Now you're just a memory In his long and distant past How can you tell someone 
to tell you tried to let you know I hoped I shouldn't say I told you so he's losing interest you feel a bore then one day you in time to hear a closing door How can you tell someone who's mystified Love into champagne's really But now the scars don't show Well, I told you so
How great was that? And welcome back to the show. We were talking about letting go, moving on, how to heal your wounded heart and make yourself whole, maybe for the first time. I was going to ask you if this is a pattern. Have you had this feeling before where you've broken up in relationships and you felt like your whole world collapsed? Mm, to some extent, not not to this extent. Um, yeah, probably in the past when I was younger, definitely. Where did you get the message that you're nothing without a man? I never really got that message, but I got the message that um, my parents were married for 65 years and you know, a lot of my family, everybody stayed married, and, and I wanted that, too. Do you feel shame that you don't have that right now? No, I don't feel shame. I, I don't feel, I, I, I don't have, you know, I don't, I don't sit there and go, oh, I wish I would have gotten married, and I wish, no, I'd like, I'd still like to, and most people that I meet now don't ever want to get married again. You mean people that you know that are divorced? Yes. Okay. Are you feeling that way after this relationship? I feel like I don't know how I can trust again. Right. Which makes sense. Were there any red flags? Not really. I mean, I would, I, I, I would give them opportunity. I'd say, hey, if you want to go see other people, no, you're the only one. You're it. You're this. You're that. I mean, Really? And I'd sit there and shake my head and go, are you sure? No, no, no. I've, I've been divorced four years. I know what I want. You're it. This is it. I'm mm. done. Mm. And then towards the, end, towards the end, yeah, there were a couple of obvious red flags where I would say, where did you? Like he brought home gluten-free cookies one day. And, and I was like, wow, where did you get these? Oh, um, a friend made them for me. That kind of thing. Mm. A friend. And then... We were on a vacation that we left for Valentine's Day on a vacation. The next day, we were on top of a volcano. We had climbed like six hours to get to the top of this volcano to watch the sunrise. We left at two in the morning, and I reached back to put my hand, like I was, he was, his arms were around me, and I put my hands in his pockets. You know how you can do that when someone's behind you and you're mm. cold, and you go, oh, I'm going to put my hands in your yeah. pocket. Yeah. I put my hands in his pocket, and we're watching this beautiful sunrise, and I felt something, and I pulled out a black heart, a black onyx heart. Oh. And I go, I go, wow, where's this from? He's like, well, I don't know. Somebody gave it to me. It's supposed to be good luck. I'm like, a black heart is supposed to be good luck? Mm. And that's where then it all started to unravel. Right. Oh. And then people started telling me, people that I know, were starting to tell me, hmm. oh, you didn't know, oh, you didn't know, oh, hmm. this, oh, that. And then I got other confirmation from people. Hmm. And then he admitted it. Oh, my dear sweet child, I'm so sorry. My heart goes out to you. Well, let's get on with this letting go because we're going to move yeah. on from this point on and right. give yourself the love that you were trying to find in another person. The love is inside of you. My first question to you is, what have you done today to be loving to yourself? Oh, let's see. I went for a, a beautiful walk. I made some good food. I hung out with my dog. 
But here I am, you know, later at night, not wanting to get back with him. That's not it either. But I want to just not think about him. Right. And I still think about it. Right. Well, you have an opportunity to reprogram your brain chemistry to replace these thoughts with other positive thoughts. Have you ever heard of affirmations? Yeah, I have. Do you ever use those in your daily practice, or are there any other daily practices that you do? Yeah, I meditate, and I've actually done some hypnotherapy stuff, and I've done EMDR, and I used to do a lot of affirmations, but I haven't for a while, so I'm open to a new affirmation. Do you believe it's possible to change your brain chemistry with affirmations and the words that you use towards yourself and others? I think there probably are better words that I could be saying sometimes, yes. I suggest, and I talk about affirmations a lot on the show, and I offer them at every show, and they're on our Facebook page, that you start right now with a list, get out a piece of paper and pencil, and write down 10 things you like about yourself, 10 qualities you have, and use the word great. I'm a great dog mom. I'm a great cook. I'm a great daughter. Let's start right now. Why don't you, I'm going to write. I am a really great daughter. I'm taking care of my mom. I'm a great daughter. Uh, (laughs) Okay, great. So I want you to write, if you choose to accept this mission possible, start out by writing down these affirmations about yourself, because what you're going to do after is you're going to say these to yourself while looking in the mirror. It's called mirror work. You're going to look in the mirror Look into your eyes where you're going to see that beautiful, beautiful soul of yours and spirit and say these things to yourself over and over as often as you can. Even if you're not in front of the mirror, when you're standing in line, when you're walking your dog, say them over and over and over because you're going to reprogram your brain chemistry. So you're going to start out with, I'm a great daughter. That would be one on your list. I'm a great caregiver to my parents. Is that fit? Yeah. More than you know. Yeah. Okay. So I'm an excellent, wonderful, magnificent. Just keep increasing those words. I'm a great caregiver to my, is it both of your parents? I help people die. That's other work that I do. I helped my dad die. Okay. I'm a great end of a life helper. Yeah transition helper, whatever word you want to use. Tell me some other things about you that you admire, adore, and appreciate. I'm really funny. (laughs) I'm really funny. I have a great sense of humor. I can hear it already. (laughs) Okay, more. Let me hear more. Um, I'm a great cook. I knew it. I could tell already. I'm a, I'm a better cook. I'm a better cook than he was, and he was a okay. Chef no talking about him. Oh, I forgot to mention that. <laughs> okay, while you're going to be filling yourself up with lots of love through affirmations and other things, what you're not going to do is talk about him. So every time the thought comes into your mind and you think about him, you're going to replace that thought with some of these affirmations. 
So the minute you start ruminating about him, you're going to go, I'm a great daughter. I'm a great caregiver. I'm a great cook. I'm really funny. I have a great sense of humor. Okay, now you're going to add to that things that you are grateful for. Because gratitude is the easiest way to change our negativity to positivity. So let me hear some grateful things. I'm going to start writing. What you're grateful for right now? That I have a safe place to live. Okay. I have a great place to live. Next. That I have my dog. I'm grateful for my dog, my house, and my dog. Let's hear some people in your life that you care about. I'm grateful for my mom. Your mom and that care about you. Your mom. Who else? My brother and my sister. Your brother and your sister. Wow. That's so lucky. Yeah, I lost one brother. Oh. And I miss him a lot. Oh. My heart goes out to you. He's hearing you. I know. He was a really great singer. I'm going to have to send you his CDs because I think you really like him a lot. Oh, I would love to play his music. And he's hearing you right now. What's his name? What's his name? Anthony. Anthony. We hear you, Anthony. We feel you. We see you. Wow. How lucky to have him in your life. Yeah. Here's to Anthony. I don't feel like I have as many friends as, you know, we've had in our world because our worlds are so different now. And I'm not really, I'm not really missing, I'm becoming more of a hermit, I think. I'm, I'm getting comfortable with it. I think we're all seeing what really matters, that it's not about the quantity of people in our life but it's about the quality of people. And when you said these people, I was thinking to myself, oh, you know, now I'm going to get a little emotional and teary-eyed, but I'm going to say, oh, wow, you have your mom, you have a brother, you have a sister. To me, I was just thinking, wow, you are the richest person I know. How rich, and you've got your dog and your place to live. You are this great daughter and caregiver and helper in the end and funny and cook. I can just hear, I can feel your love, your endless love and compassion that you have for other people. We're going to turn all that love to yourself because you have so much love to give. You're a giver. You are a giver. And we're going to give all that love back to you and fill up your hole so you can be whole. So the next person you attract is going to be whole as well. You will be two holes coming together. How does that sound? It sounds great. I just don't know. Okay. Right now, you said it's hard for you to trust and you don't know if you can trust again. But you can trust my belief that I believe and I know for sure there's someone out there for you. Definitely the right person. This person that is gone in your life, it is a gift. Rejection is protection because there's something so much better in store for you. You deserve something so much better. So you could trust and you can believe my belief in you because I believe in you. And you're going to start believing in yourself. Are you willing to commit to saying these affirmations every day? Writing a list down of the things that you like about yourself. Ten things you like about yourself. 
and 10 things you're grateful for and 10 things that you're doing for yourself on a daily basis. You're going to write li three lists. It's easy. Ten, it's things, 10 things I'm doing for myself? Okay. Yep. 10 things either that you're going to do for yourself in the day, if it's at the beginning of the day, if it's at the end of the day, 10 things you've done for yourself that day. 10 things you like about yourself, 10 things or people you're grateful for. I know it sounds simple, but if this is something you start to commit to, this is a huge step. I would love if you want to call back in a little while, let us know how you're going, and we can continue because there's a lot more goodies that you can do from this point on. This is a small step, but it's a huge step because the first step is the hardest. It's just like a little baby learning to walk. It's really hard to take that first step. But you've already done it, yeah. so you're on your way. And awareness is 90% of the challenge. So I'm applauding you. Bravo, bravo. <laughs> Congratulations. I'm so excited for you. Thank you so much for calling. I hope this is going to help you get some sweet, soft, soothing, serene slumber tonight. I can't wait to hear from you again. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so oh, much. Oh, thank you so much. Peace and blessings. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that's all the time we have. Tune in nightly at 9 p.m. Pacific Time and Midnight Eastern Time to AmericanHeartsRadio.com for another enlightening episode of Sleepless in Studio City. Dr. Debs, deemed the new relationship guru, a West Coast Dr. Laura, and East Coast Carrie Bradshaw, provides comforting heartfelt help. She will lift your spirits, illuminate your mind, inspire creativity, promote positivity, and empower you to pursue your highest aspirations. You deserve to be the best version of yourself. If you'd like to be a guest caller, featured artist, or have your writing question answered on the show, feel free to contact Dr. Debs at sleeplessinstudiocity at gmail.com, and she'll schedule you for the next opening. For replay links, updates, and affirmations, please visit facebook.com slash sleeplessinstudiocity or twitter.com slash drdubs. Find full episodes on iTunes. You can also listen to five-minute excerpts on YouTube while watching a soothing, serene slideshow. Dr. Debs is available around the clock for telephone life coaching sessions, and the first consultation is free. Contact her at sleeplessinstudiocity at gmail.com to arrange an appointment at your convenience. Dr. Debs will impart weekly wows, words of wisdom, and leave you with esteem builders and confidence boosters to help you transform from the inside out. Repeat often. Say them in the morning, in the evening, while driving, standing in line, or on a lunch break. Speak with conviction, and you will begin to believe. Without further ado, here's Dr. Debs. Thank you, Maxie for that endearing and enduring closing, for all your encouragement, enthusiasm, energy, <laughs> and tech savvy. You are the gift that keeps on giving. I'm eternally grateful that you've chosen me for the best job on the planet. You are a shining star. You are the reason for the season and the motivation and inspiration 
that helps me remember why I'm here. My purpose on the planet is you and breaking the cycle. (laughs) I leave you with these COVID confidence boosters and esteem builders. Life loves me. (laughs) All is well in my world. Everything is working out for my highest good. Out of this situation, only good will come. I am safe. As I say yes to life, life says yes to me. Deep at the center of my being is an infinite well of love. I welcome miracles into my life. Whatever I need to know is revealed to me at exactly the right time. I am loved and I am at peace. My day begins and ends with gratitude. (laughs) When I walk into the room, I am a light and everyone wants to get to know me. (laughs) I leave you with these words of wisdom from Martin Luther King. (laughs) In the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. We must learn to live together as brothers and sisters, or perish together as fools. The time is always right to do what is right. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Peace out. After midnight, we're going to let it all hang out. After midnight, we're going to let it all hang out. After midnight, we're gonna let it all hang